Hi, I'm lead pastor, Noel Peepgrass. Welcome to the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. You're welcome to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. in our historic building at 218 Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. So this week, uh, yeah, I guess I just wanted to say, you guys, like, I, I wanted to start by saying, you know, we're, we're studying uh, one of Jesus' uh, sermons. This is his sermon on mission. So I've been talking a lot about the Sermon on the Mount, and, and in chapter 10 in Matthew, we come to this sermon on mission. And uh, I, like, I would be remiss if I did not invite you all again into the mission of Jesus. Here at this church, if you feel, uh, if you feel new if you feel like you don't know anybody, I just want to like remind you that all of us are new, right? Nobody here has been a part of this church for longer than a year at this time, right? Most of you could count your days in this church by weeks, maybe months, right? And so I just want to invite you, don't, don't shrink back. Don't feel like you're not a part. We need you to act like you're a part. As new people come in, if you've been here for two weeks, go greet them, right? You're on mission, with us and with Jesus, to see all things made new. And so, man, like, this is like a charge. This, this mission sermon, it's like three weeks of a charge to be on mission with Jesus. We want to launch out into this next season of the life of our church uh, as we start school and all that stuff. We want to launch out on mission. We want to be on mission with Jesus. And last week, uh, I thought, um, because I got to listen to it, which is cool, I thought David did a great job. Uh, teaching some, uh, some of Jesus' travel instructions, right? And uh, this week, we're going to talk about a little bit harder subject. I wish that I could tell you that when you're on mission with Jesus, everything goes sweet, and you get the paycheck you always wanted, you know, and, and people are going to love you, and you're going to become famous, right? But this is actually not the way it goes when you go on mission with Jesus. Oftentimes, troubles come our way when we're on mission with Jesus. Jesus knew this, and so in this section in Matthew 10, he, uh, he, he reminds his disciples, or he warns his disciples. So uh, I asked Shauna to come read today. Shauna is going to come read Matthew uh, 10, 16 through 23, right? That's what I told you? Okay, sweet. So uh, this is Shauna Shepherd. Normally her husband Jake is up front. Um, asked her to come read the passage so that Jake could have to hold the kids, but I forgot that the kids are already gone. <laughs> So come on up, Shauna. Let's all stand while Shauna reads from Matthew 10, uh, 16 through 23. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them who is in Christ. So when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. Yeah. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaks through you. Yeah. Brother will betray brother, and the father his children. Children will rebel against their parents. Uh, and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. 
Thanks, John. Yeah, this is the word of the Lord. All right. Thanks. Have a seat, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Shauna. Yeah, so, uh, man, it gets rough. That, uh, that passage is tough. Um, Jesus predicts this trouble, but you guys, I, I got I to gotta, um, point you to come back next week because this Jesus character that warns us about the troubles to come when we're on mission with him, uh, he's also somebody that we can trust. And so he's going to allude to some things. He's going to point to some promises ahead for us, but you got to come back next week if you want to hear about this Jesus that we can trust. This week, uh, we're going to hear about the troubles that could come our way when we go on mission with Jesus. Uh, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to say it this way before I got too far. Um, our pain has a purpose that comes with a promise. Is this up on the slide? Our pain has a purpose, and it comes with a promise. Think about those things as we, as we go through this section today, because uh, the pain that comes with following Jesus, it does have a purpose. And in that purpose, in that pain, there's a, there's a promise for us, that he gives us his spirit, and he gives us salvation by his son. I wanted to start where I always start, which is in the, in the first verse of the, the passage. I don't know, like I, I, every week I, I wonder if I should do it differently, but I, I really like to just go like one verse kind of at a time, like to kind of go in order of the passage as we, as we study. In verse 16 it says, I am sending you out like sheep. Sheep. Do you like the idea of being called a sheep? No. Jesus says to his disciples, I am sending you out like sheep. You know, I, I thought about it. It's like, man, wouldn't like tigers have been better? Send me out like a, a, a bear, or a lion. I mean, sheep are super unimpressive. But uh, the Beatitudes uh, and, and the commands of Jesus that we study in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, they already taught us this, right? We're not impressive. He's impressive. He's the hero. And so Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep. Notice, too, he says, I myself am sending you. Who's sending us? Jesus is sending us. So in, in that phrase, you guys, we, ha we have to understand, this like, there's like an intentional vulnerability in the way that Jesus sends his disciples out. He doesn't accidentally send us out like sheep. That was Sometimes I think that the troubles that lie before me are like accidents or mistakes. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Man. Uh, it's, uh, it's not a mistake the way Jesus has designed us to be like sheep. This is, this is the way of God, actually. This is how God works. Missionaries take on Jesus' career, in essence, in this way of suffering. We become like Jesus in his suffering. So Jesus says, I, I'm, I'm sending you out as sheep. It's intentional. If you're familiar with the Bible, I think I've talked a tiny bit about this guy named James, right? The half-brother of Jesus. He wrote a book. Uh, in, in the Bible named after himself. He says it this way. Maybe you remember this little passage. James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You guys, the disciples' vulnerability, our vulnerability, our sheep-likeness, it's not a mistake. It's part of his plan. And... and, and so much, so much so, I mean, I, I hate to break it to you, you know, I, I know that we like to think of ourselves as fighters, maybe even freedom fighters, vigilantes, 
on mission with Jesus. Let's go, grab a sword, mount up, right? And instead, Jesus calls us sheep. He calls his disciples sheep amongst wolves. And, and look, I don't want you to hear this and think, I mean, look, you're, you're very important, okay? You're very significant. You're very important. God loves you. He thinks highly of you. So it's not that. It's that you and I are cross carriers. Pick up your cross and follow me. This is the way of Jesus. We're not freedom fighter vigilantes. The thing about it, though, the thing about being a sheep, the thing about encountering trouble on mission with Jesus is that outwardly, the way of a disciple can look like defeat. Do you know what I'm saying? When the disciples got arrested, it looked like a loss. When they were flogged, when they were beaten, it looked like a loss. But you know what? Inwardly, something's happening. Missionary things are happening in the midst of these troubles that we go through as disciples. Listen to this. See, disciples can lose the battle but win the war. This is what Jesus is saying as he sends his disciples out. This is like one of the inverted ways of Jesus. As a disciple of Jesus, you can feel like you've lost the battle but be winning the war, right? Whose example do we have to follow in that regard? Oh, I know. Jesus. Remember, he lost the battle, or so it seemed. He took himself up to that cross and, and died a sinner's death. It looked like a loss that day. But you know the end of the story. It was actually the way that he won the war. See, the cross is the rule of the discipled life. It's the rule. It's not the exception. The cross is the rule. It's not the exception. I know it feels like terrible news, you guys. I'm here to like, get you fired up to go on mission with Jesus. And yet I'm telling you, if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to encounter trouble. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to die the same death that he died. See, sheep are, uh, sheep are great Sermon on the Mount disciples. You know, the, the sheep are meek, right? Blessed are the meek. Sheep are poor in spirit. I imagine sheep are always hungry and thirsty. They're a great Sermon on the Mount disciples. See, sheep turn the other cheek. They love their enemy. They probably, I imagine, reconcile, right? Reconcile instead of carrying anger. To live like sheep is a call to live this Sermon on the Mount way of life. The mission that Jesus calls us to does not change in character from the sermon that he preached to us. The mission he calls us to does not change in character from the sermon that he preached to us. We've got to be like sheep. And look, here's some good news. Listen up. Some good news. There's a shepherd. Sheep get a shepherd. If you want to have a shepherd, you've got to be a sheep. Right? If you want to, be a, uh, if you want to have a shepherd, you've got to be a sheep. Lions, they don't get a shepherd. Do you want the good shepherd? Do you want the good shepherd? You've got to be a sheep in order to have a shepherd. You know, and this idea of sheep, it's, it's interesting because we're so complex. Like, it, it, in one sense, we need as much help as battered sheep. We need a lot of help, don't we? I mean, some days, as much as I want to be a lion, I feel like very much like a sheep. Battered, helpless, right? And sometimes, in that complexity, like through our insecurity, we can become as vicious as wolves, right? And so this is the world that Jesus was sending his disciples into. You're going to be sheep amongst wolves. Some of us are carrying on the characteristics of Jesus, this meekness, this poverty in spirit, this hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
whatever characteristic it is. And some of us in our insecurity have become the wolves. We're in this paradoxical double situation of needing mission like sheep and yet resisting it like wolves, right? Here's what I'm here, I'm here to say this to you today. You're a sheep and you're a wolf. I'm a sheep and I'm a wolf. You know what I'm saying? We can, we can, we can take on this double nature, both sheep and wolf. So Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. So here we are. Let's go on mission. You're a bunch of sheep. Let's go get in amongst the wolves. This is what Jesus is saying. Now the next thing he says in verse 17 is be on your guard. So this is good, right? Because I, I was like, okay, is a sheep on guard? I don't know. Does a sheep just like give itself up, right? I don't know if that sounds right. So Jesus does say be on guard. You know, uh, like every metaphor, the sheep metaphor fails at some point. Just want to point that out, you know? I remember like metaphors are funny. You know, um, the more you use metaphors, the more you realize they can't be applied to every situation. My dad, uh, Mar well, yeah, he was part of our wedding ceremony. And he did this like broom metaphor for like marriage. It was like, it was like your marriage is like a broom, you know? It's like, okay, it, <laughs> how, far, how far can you take that metaphor, dad? I'm not sure. Anyway, all metaphors fail. And at some point the sheep metaphor seems to fail. And so Jesus says, be on guard in verse 17. One translation puts it this way. I like this. So don't be stupidly vulnerable. So be like a sheep. But don't be stupidly vulnerable. What does, he, what does he actually say? He says to be shrewd as a snake. Shrewd as a snake. Ah, snake. That feels a little more powerful. A snake can kill something. I sometimes would feel like I needed to be a snake if I was amongst wolves, you know? Okay. So I don't have to be always like a sheep. I could be shrewd as a snake, but then innocent as a dove. Wait a minute. So there is this tension, right? We're going to be on guard. We're going to be mostly like a sheep, but we're going to be shrewd and smart and cunning as a snake, all the while being innocent as a dove. There's multiple ways to be. I thought, man, sheep, doves, there's only one snake. There's wolves, but those are the bad guys. So mostly we're supposed to be sheep-like and dove-like. Now, I, I, I ran through, I'm a sports guy, ran through my like Rolodex of like team mascots, and I thought to myself, dang it, there are no teams named after sheeps or doves. They're all lions and tigers and bears and wildcats. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess there's dolphins in Miami. That's a weird name. But anyway, Jesus wants us to be sheep and doves. This is the metaphor that he uses. It's like, man, this Jesus was built different, wasn't he? Sheep and doves. See, but we're also to be shrewd as snakes. So what does he mean by being shrewd of snakes? Well, snakes... Snakes are, believe it or not, even though I'm really scared of snakes, full disclosure, uh, <laughs> every woodpile, it's like, oh, just a lizard, thank you, all right. But snakes are scared of people, actually, even though we're scared of them, snakes are scared of people. And, and there's got to be a way in which we are on guard with people. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. You've got to be a bit like a snake if you're going to make it. You've got to be on guard a little bit, Right? And this shouldn't surprise us, right? Humans are imperfect at best, evil at worst. We have to be on guard around humans. So it's just a fact and a reality of life. We should know that because we're humans, right? At our best, maybe we're kind of like those sheep, meek, 
poor in spirit. But at our worst, we're evil, like these wolves. So we should know both sides of the coin here. We should know that sometimes you have to be wary of people. Sometimes you have to be on guard. Now here's this next part I think starts to bring quite a bit of hope. Verse 18 says, On my account you will be brought before governors and kings. What? As witnesses to them. As witnesses to them. See, Jesus sees troubles as fuel for mission. Your troubles are a fuel for mission. There's a purpose to the pain. There's a purpose to the pain that we go through when we're on mission with Jesus. Jesus sees troubles as fuel for mission. It's almost as if Jesus expects saving mission to occur more often through bad things than through good. This is kind of the story of God, isn't it? That oftentimes it seems like it's really hard things that bring about the best, the the ultimate things of God. For example, Jesus' death. Maybe when things appear to be going bad, that's when mission is actually going good. So we're invited into, this is the mission, you guys, that we're invited into with Jesus. I'm here trying to get you excited about going through troubles. So take heart, when things appear to be going bad, maybe that's when mission is just getting good. See, Jesus sends his disciples out to minister. He knows full well that they'll meet rejection and trouble along the way. And so he warns them. And I think he warns us. Because we, as we minister about Jesus, we also will suffer like Jesus. But again, there's a purpose to the pain, right? And here in this passage, in verse 18, Jesus says that our mission troubles open up opportunities to bear witness. The troubles are a fuel to mission, you guys. These disciples, they were going to be brought before governors and kings so that they could bear witness. I love that. There's purpose in the pain. And uh, man, some of you though are like, you like, you got stuck on the part where it's like, oh, witness. I know that, you know, most people, public speaking is like the biggest fear for most people. And I found that for most Christians, their biggest fear is having to tell somebody about their faith or talk to somebody about their faith, right? And we don't like that about ourselves, but it can be really scary to talk to people about our faith, right? So Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to get flogged and beaten. You're going to be brought in front of these governors and these kings. And don't worry, it's all going to be so that you can witness to them about me. These disciples have to be thinking like sheep, like, oh gosh, we're going to have to talk about you? I thought you were just going to like zap people, heal people, deliver demons, right? We're going to have to witness? Well, Jesus accounted for this. He says in verse 19, but you got to find the butts in the Bible, okay? Not that kind of butt. You know what I'm talking about. One T, butts. The butts in the Bible are huge. He says in verse 19, but when they arrest you, do not worry. One of the commands in this passage. Remember when we studied uh, do not worry? Matthew chapter 6, I think. Do not worry. Same thing right here. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So we're going to have an opportunity to witness because of the trials that we go through. The trials are literally going to lead to an opportunity to do what? To witness. Oh no, i got to talk to people about my faith. He says, don't worry. I know what you're thinking. The Holy Spirit is going to give you the words that you need to say. 
This is good news, you guys. The Spirit is with you. Uh, Matthew 28, I say it every Sunday at the end of our services. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Right? And the end of that is remember. His promise is to be with us wherever we go. You guys, His Spirit will be with you wherever we go. This is good news. Amen? We need, this is why I'm always praying that the Spirit would come afresh. We need the Spirit, you guys. You don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. I was thinking about it this morning because every time on Sunday morning I wake up and I'm like, dang it, this sermon sucks. It's not going to be any good. I'm like, Jesus, please bring your Spirit to say things out of me that I would not think to say on my own so that these people will be blessed and encouraged to follow you one day more. And this is how it is. The Spirit shows up when we need Him most. You guys, I want to press into the Spirit as a church. Like, I, I know that sometimes the things of the Spirit, they feel, like, scary. Because anytime you're giving up control, that can feel a little bit frightening. But the Spirit is good. The Spirit has good things for you. What is better? This is who the Spirit is. You had a speech to give in front of your class. Your deepest, darkest fear, public speaking. And the Spirit says, don't worry, I'll speak for you. That's not scary. That's amazingly good, you guys. Think of the Spirit as the person that rescues you from public speaking. All right. I think the Spirit just led me off of my notes right there. Chapter, uh, verse 21, it gets really deep and dark in verse 21. Shauna looked over to Jake. I don't know what she was trying to communicate, but children will rebel against their parents. That's what I, she like looked over to Jake at that point. Maybe I was just reading that into. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father, his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You guys, there are troubles. There are troubles. Do not think that following Jesus will make your life perfectly rosy. And everything will go just the way you want it. There's like, there, there's a lie that's being like propagated. Is that the right word? Yeah. I used, thank you. I used the big word. I had to check my thesaurus back there real quick. There's a lie that, like, there's a lie out there that if you give your life to Jesus, that everything will go perfectly. It's not true. It's not true. And I'm here to tell you it's not true. Jesus warned his disciples, you guys, it's going to get really hard for you. But don't worry. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to give you my spirit when you need it. I'll be right there with you. And every time there's pain, there'll be a purpose behind the pain. And you may not even notice it. It may feel like losing. But there's a purpose in the pain when you're on mission with Jesus. Sorry. That made me cry. That's not going to translate to the podcast very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's not exactly like a rah-rah halftime speech, like go get them. You know, you can do it. It's... But we can have faith, you guys. Like Christian workers have always had a hard time on mission. It's never been easy. Significance and success, they're not synonymous in Christian doctrine. 
Significance and success, they're not synonymous. You can look like you're losing and be winning when you're on mission with Jesus. If you don't believe me, the cross is all the proof that you need. I don't know why I'm crying. I do know. I just don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever felt like I just think Jesus would say to you that if, if, you, if you're in pain or you've felt pain that there's a purpose behind the pain he wants to use it it's fuel for mission the troubles our fuel for mission. And you can trust him to use every little bit of it. You can trust him to use it for his purposes. And for your ultimate good, you can trust him to be with you, to give you his spirit when you need him most. Verse 22, it gets even better. You'll be hated by everyone because of me, he says. Again, though. There's three little words there. What are, the, what are the three little letters that come next? But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You'll be hated by everyone because of me, Jesus says. And in the Greek, that literally means everyone will hate you because of Jesus. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. See, if you expect things to be rosy, Super sweet, all the time, you're going to be really mistaken. Jesus knew. He got to warn these guys before they go out. It's going, to be, it's going to be hard, but there's a purpose in the pain. This is the lot of Christian life, you guys. And, and listen, like, he's not talking about being hated for, uh, for, like, legit reasons. You know, like, sometimes I do dumb stuff that gets people to hate me. Do you know what I'm saying? And like Christians have done this like throughout all time. Christians have at times, as imperfect people, done dumb things and in a sense earned their hatred, right? Like, like for example, like imperialism motivated in, in large part by like a, a propaganda at least of Christian mission. You know, the Crusades, have you heard of the Crusades? A lot of people murdered in the name of Jesus, in the name of God's kingdom, sometimes even racism has been the result of Christians on mission. This is not what I'm talking about. When you do dumb stuff that gets people to hate you, that's your fault. <laughs> you don't get to blame God for that. It's my fault when I do dumb stuff that gets in the way, right? But sometimes regardless, there's trouble that's going to come just for testifying to the gospel. And I believe you guys that we've had it easy. We have had it easy for a long time. In our uh, culture, in our setting in the world, we have had it easy. I mean, who's the last person that's been flogged for testifying the name of Jesus? I would venture to guess nobody here, right? But the tide feels like it's starting to turn a little bit, maybe a lot of it some days. And I want to urge you that following Jesus will sometimes bring trouble. And look, here's the thing, you guys. If you're like me, and you really like to be liked, you like to be well-received, you like to receive the applause of, of people around you, and sometimes that can even become your highest aim, to get the glory from people, 
I'm just telling you, you can't expect to get that when you're on mission with Jesus. So ask yourself a question. Are you hated? Does anybody hate you because you've testified the gospel of Jesus? Most of us, maybe not. Some of us, maybe. But if not, why not? Are we as committed to Jesus as this chapter describes? Are you as committed to Jesus as these disciples were who went out like sheep amongst wolves and endured the trouble, not because of the dumb things they did, but because they testified about the gospel? Man, like this culture, this moment that we live in, the modern Western Christian culture that we live in, we are persecuted so little, so little. You know, the popularity, I said it before, of that do good, get good, prosperity gospel. The idea that if you just give Jesus what's his, that he'll give you what's yours. It's alarming in our culture. This is not the way of Jesus, you guys. Troubles will come if you follow Jesus. If you are not experiencing troubles, maybe you're doing it wrong. There's no uncertainty or wavering to this idea. Read the Gospels, all four of them. All four Gospels point out the fact that if you follow Jesus on mission, there's troubles ahead. See, we're often accused as Christians of hating the world. But for a true disciple, the inverse is true. Christians fully committed to Jesus, they have been and will continue to be hated by the world. I looked up martyrs of the faith. There's a huge page on Wikipedia. Lots of names, all hated. Why? Because they testified to the gospel of Jesus. So we've got to expect that if we're doing it right, we might experience some hate from the world. All right, if you're about to lose hope, don't worry. There's a promise here at the end of verse two, uh, 22, sorry. And, and don't worry, because I'm, I'm to my last page. So there's a promise here at the end of verse 22, and I, I think it's for you today. I think it's for us today. I think it's for me today, so don't miss it, okay? Here's what it says at the end of verse 22. But, again, B-U-T, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Our reward for staying true to the end is eternal salvation. This is how these men were so willing, men and women, have been so willing over the course of human history to endure the beatings, to endure the hardships, because they had their eyes on a prize that would not fade when the world came to an end, when their life came to an end. And and listen to this, you guys. Like, take heart. Because we, like, in our culture, I think we really, uh, we elevate and platform success. We have a culture of successism, right? We all want to be the best. We all want to be exceptional. And we reward those things in our culture, but not so in the kingdom of God. What's rewarded in the kingdom of God? It doesn't say, um, but the one who stands out will be preserved in the end, will be saved in the end. What does it say? The one who stands firm. It's the steadfast person, not the spectacular person who remains to the end. It's he who sticks around through these troubles. That's the one that's preserved into eternity. Think of the martyrs like Stephen, the apostle Peter, Paul, even modern day uh, martyr Jim Elliot. Maybe you've heard of Jim Elliot, a famous missionary who died on the mission field. 
It's, they didn't die, um, or they, they weren't preserved, it doesn't say in this passage, because they were really spectacular. It's a race of perseverance. This is the Christian race, and I'm so sad to find out it's not even a sprint. you got to keep going. One foot in front of the next. It's a race of perseverance, you guys. You don't have to be spectacular, but you do have to persevere to the end. But guess what? Your reward is eternal salvation. Last verse, verse 23. When you're persecuted in one place, Jesus says, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you'll not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. That last sentence, you guys can look it up and research it on your own. I couldn't find a commentator who really knew exactly what that last sentence meant. So what does it mean that we'll not finish going through the towns of Israel until the Son of Man comes? I don't exactly know, okay? I think one thing it means is we got to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. When's it end? I don't know, but keep going. Persevere on to the end. But that first part is what I want to really focus on because these are Jesus' permissions here. In fact, it's not just a permission, it's a command. When you're persecuted in one place, he says, flee to another. You know, uh, we're wired to be more like lions, tigers, right? We have that. This is how it should always be. Fight. Stand up and fight. Jesus commanded us to flee persecution at times. Actually, the model of Jesus is to flee persecution. We've seen it. Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 4. There's all kinds of examples and commands to flee from persecution. This is a really interesting idea. What do we do with this hatred? Do we, do we fight back? Do we resist? Actually, the Sermon on the Mount was clear. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. We're to turn the other cheek. We're to not carry anger. We're to love our enemy. This is Jesus' way. In Jesus' kingdom, the most effective violence is almost always nonviolence. We don't fight back, not because you don't have a right to. You don't. Use nonviolence because you don't have a right to fight back. You use nonviolence because it's more effective than violence. In Jesus' kingdom, nonviolence, passive or active resistance through peace, is actually more effective. And so Jesus says, You have my permission. Not only do you have my permission, you have my command to flee to another town if you find yourself in persecution. This is actually brilliant. Giving ground is okay. Giving ground is okay. Giving in morally, not okay. But giving, giving away geography, it's okay. In fact, it's not actually giving up the mission to flee. Jesus commands us to flee when we face persecution. And here's the deal. In many cases, the fleeing of persecution results in not the dampening of mission, but the extension of mission. A few months back, we had a friend, Tim Vink, here. Some of you were here when Tim was here. Tim was talking to us about the situation in Russia and Ukraine. Did you know that in Europe, Christianity is a dying religion? Almost dead. Dying to the point of extinction, almost. But in the Ukraine, there is a bit of a hot spot for faith and revival. So what do you think has happened to all these Ukrainians as Russia has come in and invaded? <sighs> Scattering. Right? It looks like a loss, but maybe. And God, would you do it? Would you use that battle to bring faith back to Europe? Do you see what I'm saying? 
This is the way of Jesus, and so he commands us to flee when we face persecution, not because the mission is over, but because mission is still happening. It's being extended. So fleeing is okay. And again, recall that Jesus' example, he fled to Egypt, for example, running away from Herod. So look, here's the thing. We, we all like to be a part of the winner. We like to be on the winning team. But Jesus calls us to a faithfulness that often leads to trouble. It looked like failure at times, but remember, there's a purpose to the pain. There's a promise of the Holy Spirit to be with us, to give us what we need when we need it. And of course, the ultimate promise, the ultimate promise that we have, even when we face troubles, is salvation, if we can persevere to the end. And that's our call today, to persevere to the end. To the end. Sorry. Sean, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to end by praying. <clears throat> go ahead and close your eyes with me. Look, you guys, I, I know that, that there's pain in this world. There's trouble in this world. And sometimes we bring it on ourselves. And sometimes it's purely the result of following Jesus. And I know that sometimes pain causes a response in us that wants us to skirt any trouble at all. But I want to invite you again to be on mission with Jesus in spite of the troubles. And so Jesus, would you help us this morning? We don't like to be in pain, Lord. We don't like to come across troubles, Father. I pray that you would teach us, Lord. You would remind us, you would instill it in our hearts that pain that comes from following you always has a purpose. We want to be witnesses, Lord, by your spirit to those who don't know you, to those who hate you, Lord. We want to see kingdom extension and we'll welcome your pain, Lord. We'll welcome the pain that comes to see your kingdom extended. We thank you, Lord, that you promised us your spirit to help us, to give us words, to give us boldness, to give us the power when we feel weak, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you give us salvation, not for being spectacular, but for staying in the game, Lord. Would you give us the courage to stay in the game, Lord? We know, Lord, that you can use even the most difficult situations for your good. We know that you do use even the most difficult situations for your good. Lord, we want to be on mission with you, Lord. We do. Would you give us the courage to walk through the troubles? Would you give us the courage to follow you, to persevere until the end, Lord? Even unto death, Lord. We love you. You're worth it. Every day, in every way, Lord. We invite your spirit now, God, as we, uh, as we search our hearts to respond to you in faith, in worship. We want to turn our hearts towards you. We want to put our eyes up on you, Lord. In the face of the fear, we want to say that you're bigger than it all. You're greater than God. You're worth it all. Everything we carry can be cast at your feet, Lord. We want to do that this morning, Lord, as we respond in worship, as we come to the table and remember what your son Jesus did for us, Lord.
Amen.